see the need for family revival? Listen to Adrian Rogers. We live in a sad day today of broken homes and throwaway marriages. People are treating adultery as a small thing, premarital sex as an incident and divorce as an unfortunate occurrence. And uh, we are today desperately, desperately in need of a spiritual revival. And your family needs revival. I don't care who you are, where you are, you can always be better, get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Love Worth Finding, featuring solid biblical truth found in the practical messages of Pastor Adrian Rogers. It's never been so evident that we live in a fallen world. The war waged on the family is raging and marriages have never seemed so disposable. Now more than ever, we need to come back to the Word of God and seek family revival. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus explains what marriage is so that we can build our marriages in the power of His holy name. If you have your Bible, turn there now as Adrian Rogers begins part one of Family Revival. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 19. And while you're turning to that, let me tell you that we're seeking and asking God for a revival. And of course, we want revival in our nation. And we want revival in this, our church. But friend, unless we have revival in the family, we're not going to have revival in the church nor the nation. So we're talking today about family revival. And uh, I want us to read from uh, Matthew chapter 19. Let's begin in verse 3. And the Pharisees also came unto him, that is to Jesus, tempting him. That means they were testing him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. We live in a sad day today of broken homes and throwaway marriages, and people are treating adultery as a small thing, premarital sex as an incident, and divorce as an unfortunate occurrence. And uh, we are today desperately, desperately in need of a spiritual revival. And your family needs revival. I don't care who you are, where you are, you can always be better, get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, we're going to look at what the Bible says, not what others say. The intellectuals of our day have told us that uh, sex outside of marriage is no big deal. They've told us that pornography is a victimless crime. That's a lie, but they tell us that. We are being drowned in a mudslide of filth, and yet they tell us uh, that's only freedom of expression. Uh, we've come to a time where unwed motherhood is looked upon as um, incidental and uh, it is quite all right to, to have a baby outside of wedlock and many blessed little children are coming into this world without father and mother uh, being married. Did you know that the one absolute moral today in the society is thou shalt not be judgmental? But of course, we have to come back to the Word of God. So I want us to see what God's Word says about the family, about my family, your family, our families. And uh, we need to go back 
to the beginning. If you were to ask a carpenter to build a house, he perhaps could do it. But he would have no idea unless he first knew what a house was. Uh, and so he has to know what a house is before he can build it. You have to know what a marriage is before you can build your marriage in the name and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the three basic things I want to lay on your heart this morning. Number one, God has designed the family. Not some social engineer. It did not rise from the swamps of immorality and evolution. God has designed the family. Look in verses 4 and 5. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. God established monogamous marriage to meet the deepest needs of humankind, emotional, physical, and psychological, and spiritual. And God had something in mind when he planned the family. Now, there are three key verbs in the Scripture that I've just read to you. One is leave, the other is cleave, and the third is be one flesh. Now, this is God's plan for marriage. This is what God designed. This is what God designed for my home and your home. So I want you to listen very carefully. First of all, God says that a person is to leave father and mother. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that marriage is the supreme commitment. Marriage is a greater commitment than the commitment you have to your parents. Now, you have a commitment to your parents. The Bible says you are to honor your father and your mother, and may you never, ever forget that. But your marriage commitment rises even to a higher priority than your relationship to your parents. You're to leave father and mother and be joined to your wife. It, and it follows if uh, the marriage relationship is greater than the relationship of uh, parent and child, then the marriage relationship is also greater than child and parent. Uh, we are to uh, uh, choose our mate and give higher priority to our mate than any other uh, thing in this world. The first thing is to leave. That means that uh, the purse strings and the apron strings need to be cut. Now, secondly, not only does he say that we are to leave, but he says that we are to cleave. That word cleave means to weld together or to glue together. Marriage is to be a permanent relationship. Now, listen very carefully. Divorce is not an option in the Word of God except for marital infidelity. Uh, you are to cleave to your wife. Uh, Till death do you part. It is not something that uh, is incidental. People get married uh, for an ideal. The ideal turns to an ordeal. And then they want a new deal. <laughs> Marriage is a for a lifetime commitment. And then he says, not only are we to leave and to cleave, but he says, we are to be one flesh. God's arithmetic is one plus one equals one. Now, why one flesh? Well, we're to be one flesh physically for multiplication. God wants you to have children. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Put this verse down, Malachi chapter 2 and verse 15. Did he not make one? That is, husband and wife, did he not make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and therefore one, that he might seek, listen, a godly 
seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. What does that say in plain English? God made husband and wife one that they might reproduce and have a godly seed. Sad thing in the world today is that many who ought to be having children are not having children. My heart goes out to those of you who want children and cannot have them, and, and they would give anything if they could uh, conceive and have a child. But there are many in the world today who no longer consider children a blessing, but rather a curse. Many children are killed in the womb because they would be an impediment to the plans of father and mother. Today there is a, a, a new category of persons. They're called DINKS, capital D-I-N-K, double income, no kids. They figure if father and mother work, they don't have any kids, then they will have enough uh, to, to satisfy their material desires. I've told you before, however, that children don't make a poor man rich, they make a rich man poor. Now, thank God that uh, you don't have to be a dink. We, we are to be one physically for multiplication. Listen, we're to be one flesh psychologically for communication. Uh, you need somebody by your side. Marriage is the deepest emotional intimacy that you can have. Not only should you be lovers, you ought to be friends. Your wife is your completer, not your competer, and we are to be one psychologically. Marriage is like a, a violin and a bow. The bow may be something over here and the violin something else, but when they get together, then the music comes. And then we're to be one flesh, not only for multiplication and not only for communication, we're to communicate one with another, and then we're to be one flesh uh, for communion. My wife and I prayed this morning as we pray every morning together, and uh, we open our hearts to God and to one another. We pray for our children. We pray for you. We pray for our nation. We pray for the nations of the world. And there are few things, if any, that will draw husband and wife closer together than uh, prayer. And if you are one flesh, then it follows as night follows day, you ought to pray together. And I'm going to ask you, if you're not having a family time of devotion, and mister, if you are not praying with your wife, there's something desperately wrong. Now men don't like to pray with women because men are self-sufficient. Men don't mind getting the roof off. They don't, just don't like to get the walls down. But there's nothing that your wife needs more than to hear you pray and to hear your heart. And God has made us one flesh. Now, God has designed the family so it follows as night follows day that Satan wants to destroy your family. Look, if you will, in chapter 19 and verse 7. And they said unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, that word means sexual uncleanness, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Now listen to me, folks. God says that marriage is to be a permanent union. But the devil has leveled all of the artillery of hell against the home, and he wants to break up your home. Now there's some today who say, well, I'm going to get a divorce. I've got a good reason for getting a divorce. 
They say, you know, and I've heard this too many times, the love has gone out of our marriage. Friend, that will not pass by the judgment of God that the love has gone out of your marriage. You see, it is not love that holds your marriage together. It is marriage that sustains your love. And love is not some emotion that you feel. It is a choice of the will. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in, in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and verse 25, husbands love your wives. That's not a suggestion. That is a command. What kind of a God would command me to do something I cannot do? Suppose God tells me, Adrian, jump over this church building. I can't jump over this church building. Therefore, God would not command me to do it unless somehow he enabled me to do it. And when the Bible says that uh, husbands are to love their wives, that is a command from God, and behind every command of God is the omnipotent power of God to carry out that command. Over in the book of Titus, Titus chapter 2, verse 4, God teaches what the older ladies are to do, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands. That doesn't say to feel like a grasshopper on roller skates. He's not talking about that kind of love. He says, teach them to love their husbands. That is that something that you can learn. It's something you can do. Now, uh, God uh, has commanded us to love. Now, now, we have a generation today that doesn't understand love. Therefore, they say the love has gone out of our marriage. What happens, and what happened when you were dating? Uh, you had your little shopping list. You were looking around. You said, I want somebody good-looking or beautiful. I want somebody who thinks I'm funny. I want somebody with a good personality. I want somebody that has uh, certain physical attributes and maybe perhaps certain intellectual gifts. Somebody who can make me feel good. And so the time comes when you finally say to that young lady or that young man, I love you. That may be true, but more likely in today's society it is, I want you. I want you because you meet a particular need in my life. And uh, that kind of love is not the love that God is talking about that binds husbands and wives together. As a matter of fact, that kind of love is a very conditional love. And if those are the reasons uh, that you got married because of somebody's charm or somebody's... Uh, beauty or somebody's uh, wit, uh, then your, your marriage is in danger. Now, I'm not saying that charm and wit and beauty are not important. Sure, they're important. But let me tell you something, folks. Those things fade. Uh, they, they go away after a while. I mean, you may have married a man who was an Adonis, but now he's bald and bulgy. <laughs> Can you see how dangerous that kind of conditional love is to a marriage. It is basically selfish. And it's going, to, it's going to bring three attitudes in your partner if you married for that kind of a reason. First of all, fear. They're going to be afraid that they cannot keep up the conditions of marriage. They're going to be afraid that somebody else is going to come along that meets those conditions better. Number two, uh, you're going to feel guilt. There's something wrong with me. I did not measure up. Number three, you'll feel finally anger. You'll feel like you have been used. That is conditional love. God's love for us is an unconditional love. And when the Bible says that a husband is to love his wife, God uses the word agape love, which is unconditional love. 
And it does not depend upon our meeting those conditions. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we know that the husband, the wife, loves the other with an unconditional love, think what that does. You have security in the place of fear. You have uh, peace, which replaces guilt. You have joy, which is going to replace that anger. And so uh, don't say that the love is going out of our marriage, and therefore we need to separate. It's a lie from hell. Number two, somebody comes up with this excuse. It would be far better for our children if we got a divorce than our children to live in this constant wrangling. Well, sociologists have told us that divorce is seldom, if ever, a positive factor in the life of a child. If you're talking about what is better for the child, I suggest you go ask the children and see what they think about it. Actually, you get the idea that um, it's better for the children. Really, basically, that is selfishness on your part. You want to do what you want and uh, have what you want to have, and yet you pawn it off as better for the children. And you say, well, the only two alternatives we have to divorce are over here with constant wrangling. Listen to me. There's a third alternative. You get your heart right with God. Stop this wrangling. And don't use some silly excuse for it. The Bible says that we're to live peaceably with all men. Well, a third person will say, well, I owe it to myself to be happy. Oh, you'll hear this over and over again. Friend, you owe it to yourself to keep your word. When you made a marriage vow before Almighty God, and by the way, you don't live in isolation. Your happiness is not the only thing uh, that matters. Listen, when you say, I want someone else, so I'm going to be happy. Do you know what you've said? God, I don't care about your commandments. Number two, you have defrauded your uh, partner that you've made a holy vow to. Number, number three, you have dishonored yourself because you now have broken that vow and you have wounded your children. Another wrote this word. I want you to listen. A man who breaks up his home by adultery is telling his child, your mother is not worth much, and your father is a liar and a cheat. Furthermore, honor is not nearly as important as pleasure. In fact, my child, my own satisfaction is more important than you. Don't tell me that you are going to get a divorce uh, because it would be better for the children. Now, there are others who say, well, I prayed about it, and God has told me to get a divorce. Oh, yes? You think that God has uh, changed his laws just for you, that you are a special exception? No, listen. People who get divorces and people who don't get divorces normally have about the same kind of problems. It's how people react to those problems. There are no problems too big to solve, just people too small to solve them. We can solve the problem if we will attack the problem rather than one another. Now, if you've got a bad marriage, one sermon is not going to change your marriage. And your marriage will not be healed overnight. But I tell you what you can do in this one service. You can change the direction of your marriage. Change the direction, and you can begin to grow a marriage as God wants it to be. You can make that decision. What a tragedy it is when 10% of the marriage is in trouble and the other 90% goes down the drain because people are not mature enough to do what God wants them to do.
Now listen, God has designed the family. Satan wants to destroy the family. Thirdly, you must defend your family. Again, I'm telling you, we are at war. There is a war on the family, perhaps more than any other war, more insidious than the terrorism and other things that we face. I want to say again, this church is no stronger than its families. This nation is no stronger than its families. Matthew 19, verse 6, God says, Wherefore there are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Now, folks, God has joined us together. And where there is God, there is hope. Now, perhaps you failed. You say, Pastor Rogers, oh, the message today is making me feel guilty. Our home is broken, broken beyond repair. Uh, we've, we've divorced and gotten remarried. What should we do? Make the best of that marriage, though it was not God's original will. You cannot unscramble eggs. And I want you to understand that God is a God of mercy. There are those who are self-righteous people who want to make divorce an unpardonable sin. They want to make divorce a dead-end road. And uh, yet God's Word teaches that if we have failed, we can be forgiven. And forgiveness is always available. And listen, if your home has been broken, whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault, I'm telling you that is not the end for you. Uh, God has a way for you. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Don't you let the devil condemn you over this. Uh, 1 John 1, 7 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. If your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And people who are self-righteous looking down upon others who have failed, you need to understand that you failed also. Who are you to judge someone else? And the church is not supposed to be so much a showcase for saints as it is a hospital for sinners. And if you have a need, we ought to be here. And with that, we'll conclude today's portion of the message. Part two is coming up tomorrow. Pastor Rogers said, Jesus is our way to God and God's way to us. And if you have questions regarding your faith in Christ today, we'd love to offer an insightful resource at the website. It's the Find God's Love page. There you'll discover resources and materials that will answer questions you may have about how to begin a relationship with God. Go to lwf.org forward slash radio and click the tab that says Find God's Love. Now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message in its entirety, call us at 1-877-LOVE-GOD. Mention the title, Family Revival. You can also order online or write us at Love Worth Finding, Box 38600, Memphis, Tennessee, 38183. Thanks for studying in God's Word with us today. Be sure to sign up for our daily heartbeat emails. You'll get daily devotions and message links sent straight to your inbox. You can find out more at the website, lwf.org forward slash radio. And join us tomorrow for the powerful conclusion of Family Revival, right here on Love Worth Finding. 
An online listener posted this recently. I have shared Pastor Roger's messages with many others. His messages should be heard by everyone, no matter what their church background. They are fitting for everyone. You know, at Love Worth Finding, we love to inspire and equip everyone who listens with the messages and the resources that we have here for your daily Christian walk. And to thank you for your gift of support this month, we'd love to send you our marriage and family booklet collection. Adrian Rogers explains what it takes to have a solid foundation for your marriage and family in these five booklets. These brief studies share the root of marital problems and how to build a godly home and protect your family. Request this resource when you call 1-877-LOVE-GOD or give online at lwf.org radio. And thanks for your generous support of Love Worth Finding.